Welcome back to Dave and Drew Do Movies. I'm Dave. And I'm Drew. Today, we are going to talk about Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction from 1994. There's probably too much to first say on this movie. Mother of God. <laughs> that's exactly what I, that's not what I was going to say. I just want to start off by saying Quentin Tarantino is one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. So that's why I personally, you know, have some invested stuff for this movie because I love it. But yeah, there's a lot to say. Quentin Tarantino's probably one of my favorite. I'd say I put him in the top five of my favorite, like filmmakers, producers, writers. I think for a guy that's been doing movies for a long time, um, and a lot of movies that kind of coincide. Oh, like Dave and Drew. Yeah, just like Dave and Drew do movies. He's been doing movies uh, a lot longer than Mm -hmm. us, it seems like, for some reason. But he's 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 a rare... Um, he's a rare guy. I mean, I, I feel like out of a lot of people that do a lot of movies, he has an actual vision for all of his scenes. He's very crazy. I think he's probably a little weird to work with. Um, but he's he's got an insane vision. Like every scene has something to do with something. Every song that he puts in, he personally picks. I know like Kill Bill, um, that song that, what was the name of that group that was like, woohoo, woohoo, you remember that one? Oh, yeah, the band that no one knows who they are. No. Yeah, Bonnet commercial. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he yeah. heard them on an airplane on their way to Japan to while they were filming Kill Bill. And he was like, oh, my God, I, I got to find this band. I got to put him in my, in my movie. Like, that's just how out there he was. Um, surprisingly enough, uh, I'm going to hit you with some weird stuff here. You want to take a wild guess how much it took to uh, make this movie? 69 million dollars eight million dollars oh wow that's cheap that is that is one tenth of the budget of space jam one tenth (laughs) and they put i wonder what would make you think about space jam Hmm. they put five million alone into the casting i mean all-star cast it is it is an all-star cast has a lot of uh future uh names and a lot of uh people who were had uh, pretty popular previously and it kind of brought some people back on the map I personally think it, it really uh, showed John Travolta's ability or his acting abilities because he had you know kind of fell off for a few years and I thought it kind of brought him back and you know kind of made him a household name again a household name he was yeah boy was he a household name boy was he a household name it uh I wouldn't um, say it, I wouldn't say it brought Bruce Willis back. Um, I think it was probably um, the, the last movie he did that was somewhat decent acting. I would say it's one of the last ones he actually cared about, um, because if you look at any of his more recent hell anything in the past twenty years, um, he just does he just seems very disinterested. Um, that's probably around the time he started becoming a douchebag to work with. From what I've heard, heard he's not a very likable character. I personally like him. He's one of my favorite action stars because I feel like you know he's kind of like um, you know an everyday Joe, 
kind of, you know, he's not like a superhuman, you know, muscle bound uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone, you know, Stallone. He, uh, you know, he could be me or he could be you. I mean, he's not, but you know, he could just a regular guy. Was he, he in the badass stuff? Was he in the Expendables with that whole group? He showed up to say a few lines. Yeah, he showed up to say a few lines. Was it Die Hard Life? <laughs> I assume. It's no, actually, life. he stole Arnold Schwarzenegger's line because um, uh, he was like, "I'll be back." He's like, "No, you always come back." Um, <laughs> something to that effect. I don't know. Those movies were trash, so I didn't, I didn't really care for them. Uh, not really my thing. I don't have enough testosterone to enjoy that movie, I guess. Or those films. Um, no, but what I like about Quentin Tarantino movies is like the he's able to provide disposition in a way that's just normal conversation between the characters and it seems believable. It seems like a conversation like me and you would have or any, you know, any regular person would have and they they play out the plot and they play out the you know of what's actually going on without it being some person just standing there giving disposition in an unbelievable way like he he really plays it off uh the way he writes the characters and the and the the dialogue and it's a lot of long dialogue because there's scenes like where it's like 10 to 15 minutes of people just talking to each other and it's just complex conversations and just like a long dialogue that in a non-Quentin Tarantino movie, you might get bored. But the people are talking in a way that comes off believable, but just, like, kind of off the wall, too. Uh, you know, it starts off even with, like, you know, the, this dude and, you know, his girl having a conversation about the ways that they should rob a place and, and this and that. And it just goes on forever. But it, it all makes sense. And then it's, like, turns straight into... You know, they give each other a kiss, and then, bam, they're about to freaking start robbing the place. Um, it, just, it went, like, zero to 60, like, real quick. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, we should rob the restaurant. Let's do it. Bam. Just start robbing it. I like the carry-on of conversations. Like, it'll start in one scene between two people, and then it'll carry on in, like, later scenes with more people, <laughs> as if, like, they're all in this big circle together, and they all know the same people or the same stories. Like, when he's talking about the foot massage with um, Marcellus mm-hmm. Wallace's wife and he's getting all intense and he's like, he's like, I mean, would you, would you eat a girl out? He's like, would you eat another guy's wife out? And he's like, no, I would like, I wouldn't do that. that. That's not even in the same ballpark. He's like, that's not even in the same field. That's not even in the same sport. Yeah. And he's like, all right, would you yeah. give a guy a foot rub? And he's like, well, you should shut the fuck up. But it can't yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it, it still carries on and they keep going on it. And then later on when uh, John Travolta's with um, Uma Thurman, they, they're still talking about it. Cause he's like, yeah, I heard he threw that right. guy off the building for, for touching your feet or whatever. And she's like, uh, I, I don't think anyone really knows why he threw that guy off that building, but it had absolutely nothing to do with a foot rub. Exactly. Yeah. They, they said that, you know, it was Marcellus Wallace and that character, the only people that know, um, you know, shortly after the restaurant scene, it goes into, you know, that you hear that song and you automatically think Pulp Fiction, you know, it's just a guitar rift, like, and then all of a sudden, you know, it starts changing up and you realize, oh, you're actually listening to them, listening to the radio and they're changing the stations 
and it it actually for me gives it a realistic um reason to have music in films a lot of times you know music is playing in the background no one's even like aware that that's going on just the the people that are viewing the movie but in this one the music's playing in in the movie in their lives you know they're changing the stations and it goes around and you know then they go back and forth about a pointless conversation that has nothing to do really with you know anything in the movie but it, it works it works because they're talking about you know the differences between us and other countries and blah 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 you know whatever having a a, a bullshit conversation on the way to go murder some dudes <laughs> you know and it, it, it just really starts playing out the character of who these people actually are and then they go from that to oh yeah homeboy got thrown off the roof for touching some girl's foot and then bam hey they go in and they're super nonchalant like they're the most nonchalant cool laid back it man a big you know they didn't come in guns a blazing yeah they want to fuck with the people a little <laughs> bit and you, you know you see it whenever you know their conversation with him he's like yeah let me try some of your burger and then you can see it in his eyes whenever he takes the dude's drink and slurps it down to the last bit like this is a cold dude just staring at you in your face sucking up all of your sprite right before he's gonna blow your brains out and he says then in this scene that I look at as foreshadowing because he tells the guy, or he asks the guy, you know, you know, what does Marcellus Wallace look like? And he, you know, he's like, does he look like a bitch? And he, you know, ultimately he says no. And he says, well, why do you try to fuck him like one? He's like, Marcellus Wallace only likes to be fucked by Mrs. Wallace. And that to me is foreshadowing because later on in the film, he's getting fucked by someone other than Mrs. Wallace. And oh boy, uh, is he. I, I think that really, <laughs> It really comes back later on that by the guy oh boy is he yeah by the, by boy, boy does he get fucked by someone other than mrs wallace and none other than the bad guy from the movie the mask with jim carrey that was him wasn't it i was, was wondering where i saw was, that guy uh, from julian julian from the mask um no i love yeah, I, that i think when everybody thinks of pulp fiction that's like probably this the biggest scene that everybody thinks of is when they're in there talking to those three guys in the apartment and he's spitting off like the Bible verse. And yeah. They're talking made up the, Bible verse, by the way. The Royale with cheese. Yeah. And, and look uh, at the brain on Brad. Look at the big brain on Brad. <laughs> which isn't even his name because his name's Brett, which just goes to show like another like how much they really don't care about what they're doing. You know, the, yeah, they'll murder someone and not even remember the person's name five seconds after finding it out. You don't get a wallet that says badass motherfucker to be a nice guy. I mean, you just don't. Yeah. You know, it'd be like no, someone. No, no, no. And he like, truly is. That Samuel Jackson definitely is because even in Star Wars, he has BMF engraved <laughs> on his lightsaber. Mace Windu has BMF engraved on his lightsaber. And that's supposedly canon. They make, uh, is, but. they make more references in uh, like the Marvel movies and stuff when he, when he has a gravestone, he, he's yeah. director Fury, but that's. Uh, Does, doesn't it even have the uh, Bible verses equal like 2517 or whatever. Isn't that like on the actual yeah, yeah. tombstone? That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that's what's so crazy to me too. Cause I said like, you know, it's actually a made up Bible verse. Um, it's actually a combination of Bible verses in Ezekiel 
Um, but it doesn't read out the way that he plays it, you know, obviously, because that's a cold ass line to say to someone before you, you know, blow their brains out. Um, they actually, you know, made that up uh, out of a combination of multiple um, Bible verses, which I thought was pretty cool. There's, there's one thing that I don't really get. I've watched this movie a thousand times and they never really explain like who Marcellus Wallace is. Like, what does mm-hmm. he do? He's not a drug dealer because they have a drug dealer. The guy that looks like the dude. Yeah, he's, um, he's uh, Eric Stoltz. He's, uh, he's like a hippie Jesus. Yeah. Um, drug dealer he, with Jesus. Uh, he's obviously someone big because, like, people know who he is and people are afraid of him. But at the same time, it seems like nobody knows who he is. Right. Like, the guys at the pawn shop have no idea who he is. They're just a bunch of sicko rednecks, which is awfully strange because it's, uh, they come off as sicko rednecks, but this is like California. Like this is like California feel. So I, I, like, I guess that's more of like Alabama, Kentucky, pretty much all the States that surround Tennessee, but not including Tennessee, basically all those States. That's, that's where, you know, you make people so like a pig. I just, I, I don't know who he is. I don't know what the Band-Aid is on the back of his head. I don't yeah, think they ever explained That's soul it. came out of. Yeah, I've, I've heard that uh, when they talk about, like, what's yeah. in the briefcase. What's in the box? Yeah, what's in the box? What's in the briefcase? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have known. But they, uh, you know, <laughs> you got the whole scene after, you know, the whole foot rub conversation. And after John Travolta goes and scores some heroin I'm, I'm guessing yeah um and he goes out with uh uma thurman and they go to that pretty cool um what's it called uh oh it's like a anyway, retro it's called something yeah it's like retro kind of 50s 60s vibe and has all the cool um people and they do that silly dance and what have you um but their chemistry like those two characters they go really well uh together like they have great conversation they're, they're kind of vibing and luckily for Josh Volta, she OD'd that night or else he probably would have ended up fucking her more than likely. And then oh. he would have been in the building too, you know? So thank God that she snorted heroin and OD'd and he didn't fuck her. He wanted to, he's talking himself in the mirror. Yeah. Like, okay, just grab a drink in a polite way and leave. And, but we, we all know it was going to happen. And speaking of John Travolta, like he, the whole movie shot out of order. You know what I mean? It's like it, it jumps back and forth, you know, within those uh, different individual storylines. But he's kind of a bad hitman, you know. Like, at, at, not only does he accidentally blow uh, Phil Phil Lamar's brains out, <laughs> like like you're supposed to be a skilled hitman, and you're just willy nilly, you know, waving your gun around and accidentally pulling the trigger um, when he's taking a shit and you know, Butch's house, he leaves his, like, what is it, a little Uzi or something sitting on the counter outside of where he's at. Yeah, yeah, a little Uzi Vert. You know, that little rat. He should have had that in the bathroom with him. You know, I mean, you're not going to leave that just laying around. So I think this movie uh, chronologically would be the diner, not the, the, the breakfast place that they're at takes place. Right. Um, kind of towards the tail end of the movie like they start off with the first scene and then to end that robbery 
you go back like later on in the movie when it's John Travolta and um, Samuel Jackson talking about how he wants to quit. He wants to like follow the path of God and see where God leaves him. He, he's all done with it. And John Travolta's like, right. man, you're stupid. Like, this is easy money. You know, I would just keep doing this. And after that, once that scene is done, it now goes back to him going to kill Bruce Willis. And he ends up getting killed himself and Bruce Willis drives off. And that's where I assume technically the movie would end because that's kind of like everything kind of ties up between Marcellus Wallace and Bruce Willis. Um, it ties up with, uh, why John Travolta was by himself and not with right. Samuel Jackson. Uh, it seems right, right. like it seems like everyone in that movie, uh, leading up to the scene where John Travolta gets killed, uh, just kind of they all kind of come to this like big, like harsh reality of the world that they're living in. Like uh, Uma Thurman ODs. And after she comes out of it and they're talking on the, on the porch, she's like, you know, Oh, like if, if he found out about this, like we'd both be in just as much trouble. Um, right. Right. She's kind of like, I realized that I fucked up this time. Like that was probably the worst experience. I get to chill out, you know? And then uh, Samuel Jackson, while he's sitting at the diner realizes that the path he's on, isn't the one that he thought was the best path and he wants to change his ways. Um, and then uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is with Marcellus Wallace. And they both kind of like in that same scene realize like that some crazy shit just went down. And they all. Yeah, he just had so, a shit pushed in, I say. So, <laughs> so everyone in the movie kind of slowly comes to this crazy reality where they're like, you know, changing their paths to, to be better, except for John Travolta. And where does that get him? Gets yeah, him killed. He gets got. Yeah, yeah. He's got. So he's like the last person left in the whole movie that's like, nah, I'll just like there is no error to my ways. I'm I'm everything I do is fine. And and he gets killed for it. And I don't know if that's like the the point of it. I don't know if that was the whole premise of the movie. Um, but it, it that's kind of what I took from that movie was everybody in some way realized that they just weren't doing the right thing and tried to fix it. And uh, even the guys at the beginning, the, the guy and his girlfriend, they're trying to rob the place are like, man, I am weak. Like, I couldn't even rob this place. Yeah, yeah. Um, hearing you say it, it actually does sound like very plausible that that's what the hidden meaning is behind the movie is that pretty much crime gets you nowhere. Um, and it's only so long can you, start, you know, live that lifestyle before it catches up to you. And sometimes I mean, it literally catches up to you while you're taking a shit. Yeah, because the movie kind of, the movie itself comes in one full circle, just like life. You know, karma's right. going to come in a full circle and eventually, you know, it's going to hit back. Um, Bruce Willis, not to, not to keep talking about him. I just don't care for him. Um, but he... I love him. I like the watch. He goes back for the watch because it's on the kangaroo. And then later on, he's yeah. in the car and he's like totally jamming out to the song talking about a kangaroo. And I don't know if they did that oh, on purpose, but I was like, dang, like he, Tarantino, he, of course he did. Yeah. Like just little stuff. Like yeah, no, that I didn't even catch that. And you're like, oh, kangaroo song. Like, all right, kangaroo song. 
Yeah, and it, you know, it, it. He said that watch went through a lot, and it did. It went through generations and generations of you know his Butthole. family's buttholes. You know, like I mean, that's that's a it's a really shitty watch, but it's it's <laughs> you know got a lot of heritage. You know, it's got a lot of a lot of meaning, and it's like a fairly heirloom. So I wonder if he ever stuck it up his own ass just so that way, you know, it would have already been in his ass by the time he passes it down to his child. If that's uh, what it was you know, meaningful I, for him. I think the proof of that is that had he had stuck it up his ass, uh, he wouldn't have forgot it at the apartment. He wouldn't have forgot it, saying. yeah. But it's kind of hard. To, I don't know if you've ever fought a man and killed him with a you know, hunk of metal shoved up your ass. It's kind of hard. Yeah, no, I haven't. I pulled it out for the – oh. I've heard different, but we'll, we'll go with that. I mean, he, I, uh, wasn't, he wasn't supposed to fight and kill that guy. So had he had, had the watch up his ass, maybe he would have thrown the fight like he was supposed to. Yeah, he, he would have thrown it. He got paid to throw the fight, and instead he took that money, threw his whole acting career out the window. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not that bad, no. <laughs> he, he, st- he, he still played in some right? films. No, he threw something already. It was his acting career. Yeah, yeah, acting career right out the window. Um, but you know, right after that is one of the, I would say probably the most second iconic scene of the film. You know, second to the actual, you know, um, uh, the big Kahuna Burger scene is when they go to the pawn shop. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, it was one of the one of the scenes I remember as a kid not really understanding what was going on down there uh, in the basement of that pawn shop, but vividly remembering that scene. Um, a little, uh, little unknown fact here. Uh, a lot of people don't know that your, your very first scene that you ever played in uh, was the gimp in the, uh, in the rape scene down there. Actually, yeah. uh, that was Randy Quaid. Was it? Of, I thought it was. None Quaid. other than... The family, National Lampoon's family vacation uncle himself. Uh, actually, it's not Randy Quaid, but it's completely believable. And I think I could start an internet rumor. Yeah, I believed it. That would, I believed that would, it. That guy actually uh, looked it up later on because I, I forget his name, but he's actually been in like quite a few movies, but there's no picture of him anywhere. Like he he's probably always in, has a mask. He's probably always the gimp or he's Randy Quaid. There were there were a few things in that movie that really, um, that really stick out to me. Um, you know, he comes in with the knife or the the samurai sword. He he looks at all the other things he could have brought there, um, and he chooses the most ridiculous way to kill these guys. But all I could think about when he got down there was uh, shit on my dick or blood on my <laughs> knife. You know, completely completely unrelated film and made way way after but that, that's what i was thinking about you know he's like kills these guys ridiculously with this fucking samurai sword uh when he could have went down there with you know a weapon it's a pawn shop I'm, I'm more than more than likely they have a firearm in there um and you know he could have went in there but he chooses a fucking a fucking sword and, it, and my favorite line comes from that too um when he asks you know, Marcellus Wallace, like, hey, um, are you okay? <laughs> He's like, I'm pretty fucking far from okay. And I feel like that just really fits in my life. And that's how I feel every day. <laughs> someone asks me how I'm doing. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty fucking far from okay. Not maybe as bad as Marcellus Wallace was at that exact moment. 
but I, I can relate. I can relate to Phil in that way. I, uh, I, I can uh, completely agree with that. I mean, I don't know if – what year was Kill Bill? That was later, much later, actually. Early 2000s. Like early 2000s, like, right? Like 2003? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, that's all I think of now. Like, I look back and I think of the sword scene. And I think, like, uh, Kill yeah. Bill. Like, I feel like there's always some kind of sword in a Tarantino movie. Mm. Except maybe Reservoir Dogs. Cause I don't remember there being a sword in that. I don't either. There's actually a whole, not a whole lot of action in Reservoir Dogs um, for it being a heist film. Um, it's really just a lot of, you know, standing around and talking. I do enjoy the movie. I'm not saying I don't enjoy it, but, you know, it, it doesn't really show, like, every... It, it could have focused on, hey, like, this is the robbery and this is that, but they focused on the aftermath of them just standing there. And it had a lot of the same characters. I mean, Steve Shimmy was in it. Harvey Keitel was in it. Um, whatever that little Australian dude's name is that that was that was robbing the, the store in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the rat. Like if uh, yeah, he yeah, he's the cop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that's the and he's point played he's movie. played in a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies as well. He's played in a handful of them. Oh, he loves reoccurring actors. He always has Emma oh, Thurman. Sure. Yeah, Samuel Jackson is in it even whenever he's not in it. He Samuel Jackson was in Kill Bill. Uh, he was the piano player in the um, uh, whenever she's getting married, and it doesn't even show. It doesn't even show his face, but he's just sitting there. Is it the piano or guitar? But how do you know it's remember. him? He's playing an instrument. Uh, I read it. I read it online. You read it on Reddit. So, yeah. I read it on Reddit. That's read exactly Reddit. where I read it. I, wa- I watched. I watched it on Reddit. I watched a little <laughs> video of it on Reddit. A whole little video. He's uh, I like he always puts himself in his movies like Stephen King does like and yeah. it's funny uh, and um, uh, what's his name Mel Brooks Mel Brooks does the same thing he uses a lot of reoccurring people and uh, always puts himself in movies and stuff and it's it's yeah. always funny because like you put yourself in a movie and you're not going to give yourself like the coolest most badass role he's always like super awkward and goofy uh, yeah well Qu- Quentin Tarantino usually plays exactly himself in movies yeah. Uh, and the difference between the way that he puts himself in movies and everyone else's, he does it just to give him an excuse to say the N-word over and over again, uh, I've noticed. Oh, it, yeah. It's like one of his yeah. favorite words. And, and there's so many racial slurs in this movie. It's like, it's crazy. Like, and not to get on a, like, a racial tangent, but um, it's, it's just funny. It's like he's literally, he, he throws it in like majority of his movies. And maybe that's just the way he views the world is like, you know, everyone's thinking it, so they might as well just say it out loud. You know, maybe that maybe that's why he does that. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot of racism in, across the Quentin Tarantino universe. It was uh, – I don't notice, like – I mean, like the kangaroo song and stuff, that was a first. I never noticed that before. I don't – I try not to get tied up with, with noticing weird stuff in movies. Like, I know that there's a lot of people that show, like, things that you've missed in movies and – there's all kinds of YouTube videos about like hidden meanings and scenes and stuff like that. And I don't really notice it uh, too often. I don't try and make myself notice it, but yeah. one of the scenes, uh, the o- when she's ODing and he gets her to the, uh, the drug dealer's house, they're freaking out, like trying to find um, the adrenaline needle. And, the, and he's, tr- no, he's trying to find the book, the like nursing book or whatever to figure out yeah, like, how, a nursing how to book. Yeah. put it in. And on the table is two board games. 
and the top one's operation and the second one's life. Oh. I mean, I'm not like a chemistry major or like a geologist or anything, but it seems like it had quite a bit of a meaning to throw like in the background because it's the only two board games in the whole house. They're right there in that scene. It's just operation and life. And I thought, well, yeah, because like, oh. if they hadn't removed the Charlie horse, she wouldn't have lived. That's true. The funny bone. Yeah. Yeah. She had, he had to. Honk. So <laughs> I, lo- I love the scene whenever, uh, like when he went, when he's at the drug dealer's house, uh, the first time John Travolta and he's like, Hey, you know, that, you know, whatever her name is, uh, is going to be here. If you want to hang out and get high. And he's like, is that the one with all this shit on her face? He's like, no, that's Jody. That's my wife. That's my wife. And he just like, yeah, he's just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, man. Um, and then, you know, it, a lot of times in, in movies too, they don't show like that vivid of drug use, you know, in movies and, um, the way that he did it, it's extremely artsy, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it zooms right in and then, you know, it keeps cutting to him driving and the, the, even the camera, the way that it's filmed, you could tell like, okay, yeah, this guy's high while he's driving. Everything else is blacked out around him. He's just in this car, you know, there's a few lights and stuff. Um, and it, it just really to kind of like immerse the, the viewers and try to make you understand like, Hey, this is what it's like when you're, shooting up heroin i'm guessing i'm guessing that's what he was going with that scene um and just this is the way he shoots a lot of a lot of scenes just really you start understanding you start feeling people uh that character's feelings uh one of the scenes that that caught out or like kind of stuck out to me was when bruce willis is like um they're in the hotel and he's talking to his asian french american european girlfriend and um He's like looking through his stuff and then you kind of see him stop. He doesn't say anything yet, but you, you can, you can tell by his, you know, the way that he's moving, that he's looking for something specific. And then she's talking and he, he starts moving a little more erratic and his voice, he's not really paying attention to what she's saying anymore. And you can tell, you know, he's, he's just looking and looking and looking and you know that, okay, he's looking for something. You can see that he's starting to get irritated and then ultimately he gets mad uh, you see those stages and it's probably just because Bruce Willis is such a great actor that um, that's that that uh, <laughs> that that's how he was able to play that off but it's more than likely the way that you know Quentin Tarantino did it wasn't just like oh hey he stopped and oh I can't find my watch hey where the fuck is my watch it's you see that gradual it's probably like a two and a half minute scene that gradual without him saying anything um, that irritation just in his body language um, so and that's that's something I don't see a whole lot in movies where you know you actually see the person's emotions without them having to state it. Only only real good actors and writers and directors can portray that. <laughs> real actors like Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah, real great actors like Bruce oh. Willis. Maybe Nicolas Cage uh, might be able to pull something off like that. But the only thing he can pull off is John Travolta's face. <laughs> Got and him. Face off. <laughs> face hey, that off. was good. That was a. That, that was a good, uh, that's a that movie I planned. Seen. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> that was a plan. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that movie in a long time either. That's, um, ah, uh, it's a great one. Great film. What? That's what? John Woo, isn't it? John Woo. What? Is, is that who makes it? I don't know. I have to... Pretty sure. That was about the same time frame though. No, that had to have been like 96, 97, maybe. It was, um, I want to say it was a good five years after. I want to uh, say. No, it might have been. It might have been in. 
it might have been a few years, but it, it like that's what I was kind of talking about is you know prior to that, had Pulp Fiction not came out, you would not have seen John Travolta in Face Off. You know, uh, it probably been more like Christian Slater. No, because I I guess when I think prior to would be Greece. Like I think Greece would have put him on the map, but would it would would it have given him a more serious or edgy role? Like Face Off. Right. No, for sure. Yeah, Greece, and then you know, uh, staying alive and Saturday Night Fever. But think about after staying alive and after Greece, like, and then all the way up to Pulp Fiction. Name one John Travolta movie in between that gap. We're talking from the seventies until the early nineties, mid nineties, actually. Look who's where talking. a family film. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I think Pulp Fiction, I, I'm agreeing with you. Pulp Fiction probably yeah, yeah, put yeah. him on the map for, uh, like, yeah, for those other types of roles. Edgier yeah. roles. Yeah, because he's, I mean, he's super, super soda pop. Even as the bad boy in Greece, he's like super, he would have been picked on in a real school. Um, they, they just weren't real badasses. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's all for 10 and for show. Some would say that about Karate Kid, but. Maybe that's a conversation. Oh, he wasn't. He was in Urban Cowboy. I forgot about that. What is that one? What movie is that? Uh, that's where he's pretty much just an, uh, he's just abusive and alcoholic, pretty much. Uh, you know, cowboy. I, I think he like wrote on like like a. Uh, it's just some something I think I watched with my mom or something. Something. Is that the dumb. one when him and Jake Gyllenhaal go up the mountain? Oh yeah, yep. And then yeah. Joker showed up. Okay, I've heard about that. Yeah, flick. I've heard about that. Flick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he didn't, he definitely wasn't like known as like an action star or even that, that dramatic, it was more like a lot of soda pop stuff. Um, cause then, you know, go later on into his career, like I said, but I kind of brought him back. Now you have him in face off, even years later, he's in, you know, taking the uh, Pelham one, two, three, which is one of my favorite movies. And even, yeah. um, from Paris with love, like, I, I feel like it's a really underrated movie. I thought it was really good. I thought it was extremely good um, for, you know, the two characters that you have in there, basically just following them. It reminds me a lot of Training Day, um, except for, you know, it's not Denzel Washington. But it's, it's, a, it's a really good, really good movie for that time frame of John Travolta, that new Travolta. I liked him in the, uh, what was that, Punisher? He was... Um... Didn't watch it. Oh, oh. No? would you like him in Swordfish too? No, I've never seen Swordfish, but I've heard that's good. a pretty good movie. Don't. No, it's not. Oh. Good. Don't. Do. Good. Do. <laughs> um, but for, I mean, 94, what, what year did this movie take place? Like 70s? What? Like the time frame that, that Pulp Fiction took place? Yeah, like 75 or something like that. Maybe later. Mm. I mean, the cars were. I would say, I would say probably in the. I don't know because what he whenever um, the only thing that might be able to tell is when Christopher Walken gives him the watch, right? What war was his father in? Vietnam. Was he talking about Vietnam? Yeah, yeah, Vietnam. So we're talking could have been early seventies. I don't when, know when that was going on. I don't know if I could follow that timeline because if you try and follow that timeline, it shows that Christopher Walken said he was there for like seven years, but. From the start of at the beginning until the end, or near the end. But from the start of Vietnam to when he left, he basically was only there for like a year. And then if you fast forward to 
1975, they still show um, they still show Bruce Willis as like a, or Butch as a kid, but yeah. realistically, like he probably would have been like almost close to his twenties in that. So it's it's a weird mix up. I like I like the story. I like that he's just telling this little kid he's never met before this horrific story about pulling oh, yeah. punches out of buttholes and like how nonchalant he is about like everyone dying in his family in war yeah. leading up to like his father holding it in his butthole and then him putting it in his butthole. And I was like, no if they could keep it. And it zooms in on the watch and the, the glass on it is like smeary and like brown tins. Uh, yeah. All I could think about is like, that shit's, you know, it's, it's shit smeared. It's a shit smeared watch. It's a pretty uh, shitty know, watch. Put a new band on it, call it a day, throw it on your wrist. Um, yeah, no, that, 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 that scene was, I remember that scene when I was a kid too, but I just remember seeing him talking to him and it wasn't until I watched it again when I was late. I was like, man, this is the first time I've actually paid attention to what he's talking about. I was probably in like maybe a you know, teenager or so. And I'm like, wow, like, like that's really in this movie. Like it just seems so, like all the, all the weird and wacky stuff that has happened in the movie. That was like one of the, like what things that, you know, he says with a complete straight face and it's like, it's meant to be funny. It's definitely meant to be funny. Oh, uh, it's very comical. Yeah, it's just like, uh, um, no, nah, and, and then he's like, how much did he have to pay Chris for walking to come in and do, you know, you know, a five minute segment of talking about, you know, metal up your ass? I mean, I guess that's five million. So almost like two thirds of the budget went straight to casting. So that's five yeah. million dollars just to get those actors and actresses. A lot of those guys are reoccurring people. They've been in a lot of movies. I would say the biggest actors and actresses in that movie were Christopher Walken, John Travolta, Samuel Jackson, Uma Thurman. They've been yeah, probably Bruce the only Willis. ones that have been. No, yeah, and Bruce um, Willis. No, I don't remember him being in that movie. <laughs> like, yeah, he was there. You could tell. I feel like. You I feel tell, like the uh, main. The main character is Bruce Willis in this movie. I feel like which is the main character and everything else is just happening around them. I feel like he's embarrassed of the story of the watch. Like he knows of it, but nobody knows like, cause he even says he never told the girl the significance of the watch. He did um, say that. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, you know what my father had to do to go through to, to get, like get this watch to me. And he's like, I don't have time to tell you. <laughs> like he yeah. doesn't want to tell her that it's a butthole watch. Yeah, but we, it's we all know it's a butthole watch, but we all know. Yeah, we can we can still smell it. We, we can, can still smell it. smell it. He keeps on his little kangaroo. Now I can only imagine people who have not seen this movie and hearing us refer to certain scenes into this. What is their idea of it without the visual and knowing what the storyline is? What does that come off when you when you take all of these, you know, two dudes getting raped in a basement of a pawn shop and a butthole watch and um you know dude accidentally blowing a dude's head off and this other guy eating his food and drinking his soda like what what kind of story does that tell without without having seen it that's how you, that that to me is saying like you could take all those elements basically could have been four or five different films on their own put them in the same world and they're all in the same movie that takes a pretty good storyteller to be able to take that and make it all make sense and make it all you know 
be part of the same world. I mean, he's been able to do that with a vast majority of the movies that he makes is like, he hides a lot of details. He hides a lot of clues in from the beginning of his movies, like, and then in every scene to like kind of give everything away. But that's probably one of my favorite things about Tarantino's films is how obscure it is. But at the same time, it all makes sense. Like I've never watched a Tarantino movie and been like, what the F did I just watch? Like, like you were saying, like somebody's listening to this right now thinking like, I've never seen this movie before. And there's the <laughs> kangaroo and a, a butthole watch and people getting raped and yeah, you know, um, yeah, what, what, kind of film, what kind of film is this? On drugs. And uh, it's, but it makes sense. Like it's all, they're all tied in together. Everybody has something to do with the next guy. But from the start of the movie to the very last scene, when they come back like full circle, it's, it all comes in, it all ties itself together. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like I got that. Kill Bill does a lot of weird stuff like that. Uh, Both of them. And those are fantastic movies, but there's so much to it that like, you could watch that movie. I feel like I could watch a Tarantino movie five times in a row and see something different every time. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You start seeing a lot more, not a lot more things. And you know, after watching Kill Bill and stuff like that, and then seeing it, you were talking about you know him always having like you know the swords and stuff in the movie. It, it makes me wonder: is that sword supposed to be one of the Hanzo Hasashi uh, sword that you know they have in Kill Bill? Is is that one of them? Is, could that potentially be one? You know, obviously it was made you know years before. He probably even had the idea. Actually, he's so weird. He probably had every movie in his brain years and you know decades before he ever made him. Um, because he even has, you know, Vincent Vega's character himself is related to another in um what was it, Kill Bill? Uh Michael Madsen's character, I think. It's Michael Madsen definitely good. I can't remember if it's Reservoir Dogs or if it's Kill Bill. No, someone um I don't know if it's the the wolf, if it's his character or the the kid that tries to rob the like uh, diner they're tied to reservoir dogs one of them is they have something to right. do with it and then one of the brothers is also um someone in reservoir dogs one of the uh, guys that's part of the heist that gets killed mm. they they do tie a lot of reservoir dogs but the person vincent vega that you're thinking of i think he's the dude that owns the trailer in kill bill, in kill bill yeah. yeah the one and that actor is michael michael madsen yeah and I know for a fact, either because he was also in Reservoir Dogs. Michael Madsen was also in Reservoir Dogs, so I, I can't. I just can't remember if it was his, um, which character it was, but it was definitely Michael Madsen. Um, and it just goes to show, like you know, did, how well, how much did he think about this stuff before he actually made it? Um, and it makes me wonder, you know, maybe look into, you know, even the hateful later or something. Maybe one of those characters is someone's, you know, great great grandfather, um, which is another one of my favorite. Um, Quentin Tarantino movies um, because it's just so over the top and Kurt Russell's performance is like one of my favorites because the guy's just a fucking asshole and most of the time you see him as a lovable character I mean he's he's like Santa Claus in like some movie that Netflix keeps trying to shove down my throat and I'm like I'm not gonna watch it I hate Christmas as it is listen he's probably gonna be fantastic because unlike some people in Pulp Fiction Kurt Russell continues to act (laughs) well the not thing just, is, it not just continues to show up, 
but he puts <laughs> forth effort to which he gets paid to put the effort. That, that's how you know you've made a legacy that can live on just by your name alone. We just have to stop acting completely and just show up. Look at Steven Seagal. <clears throat> he hasn't acted in a movie I, in 20 years, no, but he's been in a shitload of movies in the past 20 years. I won't look at him now, and I didn't look at him then. Did you look at him in Lawman? Nope. I don't even no, know what I that is. Either. That show where he accidentally ran over a dog. He got fine. Oh, he ran over I, a dog with a tank. No, now I definitely won't watch it. Yeah, good. Don't. Good. Yeah, where he pretends to be a cop. And he's like, I'm Steven Seagal, and I've been in a handful of decent action movies, but I've also been a lawman for 20 years. And he pretends to be a cop for, like, whatever. It's like cops with Steven Seagal, and he refused to run because he's too fat. Half the people probably don't even know who Steven Seagal is, but, you know, he's a pretty terrible martial artist that became a pretty terrible actor. So... He was trained by one of the best. No, I'm just kidding. Trained. Chuck Norris. Oh, actually, uh, David Carradine. David Carradine's a big uh, guy that's usually embedded in some Quentin Tarantino movies, and he actually is quite the karate master. Well, not anymore, yeah. but... Yeah, I, I kind of got what you were saying. You know, it kind of happens after, you know, you start letting your sexual exploitations get a hold of you. You kind of stop living... <laughs> gotta stop living after you accidentally hang yourself while you're jacking off and that's another thing i like to do to movies i i, I love you know whether i'm Jack eating off. while i'm watching a movie yeah yeah exactly you know <laughs> whether i'm eating during a movie or just enjoying it or talking about the films that i'm watching is you know finding a good movie that would make me stop thinking about jacking off for at least two hours and this movie definitely you know definitely kept me preoccupied for two and a half hours and i didn't even have to beat my meat so there's it's a pretty good day for me when I don't have to beat my meat. I mean, thinking back on a lot of movies I've seen by him, there really isn't a lot of like sexual tension or hidden love stories. Like everybody's lives just kind of suck. Yeah. They just, they just kill each other. There's no sex. There's no like uh, love Except story. Except for Pulp Fiction. When? There's a little bit of sex in there. Oh, uh, with his French <laughs> Asian. I thought. Oh, I was talking about the rape scene. That's true. Oh. That's sex, whether you like it or not. That's true. That is, uh, yeah, that did happen. I try. I try. <laughs> wasn't very about, sexual. I try and forget about any scenes with Randy Quaid dressed up as a gimp. But, well, I mean, just it's, I'm pretty sure everyone already knows my love for Bruce Willis. But I have to say that if they were going to choose someone to rape first, why didn't they just rape Bruce Willis first? I mean, he's a good-looking dude. I mean, Big Rames, he's all right. But I mean, you had the opportunity there. They, they should have went for it. I think he knew exactly who he was going to go for because they seemed like a bunch of racists. <laughs> well, um, yeah. They were going to demean the black guy first, but also he tried to make it fair with the whole eeny, meeny, miny, mo. And then he added that my mother told me. Yeah, it, just that it way. Doesn't sure. matter, it doesn't matter which way you play eeny, meeny, miny, mo. When you go through between two people, the minute you start eeny on the first person, no matter what. Eeny. <laughs> yeah, once you go eeny. Eeny. You're getting the I'm going to have to try that. I'm going to have to try says, that. I started with eeny and you're getting the weenie. Oh. Uh, that, was a, that was a scene that they took out uh, that most people don't know about. Um, oh, shit. I didn't know about it. <laughs> but he, if you start with eeny, you're always going to end with the person you started with. Oh, Even man. when you add the little catch a tiger by the toe and 
my mom my said mother told me to rape the best one yeah and, and, you're, and the, that's you're the one you. that i'm gonna rape tonight and you're gonna be pretty fucking far from okay <laughs> pretty fucking far from okay uh and and then you know you have to get medieval on their ass gotta get medieval know? on their ass that's the um that's a scene i, I like, wouldn't mind seeing later on because he shoots the guy's junk yeah with shotgun. yeah he literally blows the guy's dick off and he's like i'm gonna call a couple guys down here and they're gonna be yeah pulling teeth this guy's gonna be in like miserable pain for the last little bits of his life and it's like that's that'd be a scene i'd want to see down the road because i feel like that's probably the least bloody movie oh out of that all tarantino's ever yeah. done yeah and i mean sure they show them blasting that guy in the apartment they show phil lamar's head exploding in the back of the car um yeah he had, he had his cat peeled back you know or uh somehow bruce willis is completely covered in blood from a nosebleed yeah, for and, real. <laughs> like his entire shirt from top to bottom, but nothing on his pants, just his shirt. He was sitting down. That's why. It's because his shirt was tucked in. That's what gentlemen did back then. Yeah, even when you're wearing a wife beater, you just tuck in. Even tuck when you're beating your shirt. wife. <laughs> I thought, so for the longest time, I thought that girl was Asian. And I never understood it because she's like, sounds French. Right. And took me looking it up to realize that she's not French either, uh, but Portuguese, which I would never guess in a million years. Oh, gross. But she grew up uh, and went to school in France. But her dad's some like big famous composer. Her sisters are all like famous actors and actresses and like plays in, in European movies and stuff. But that's, I can't think of anything else she's ever been in. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else. She's just I a think... weird character that was like, kind of fun for that movie like just some innocent dweeby girl she looks like richie from the new um it whenever he's a kid that's who, <laughs> that's who she looks like to me uh she's extremely annoying and i she's can't a- believe like bruce willis stayed with her even when he's like come on no we gotta go we gotta go we, we gotta hurry and get out of here she's she like why crying. what happened what, what what's going on what, what's this what's that can you tell me this blah 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 and I'm just like, shut up. Like, you know he's on the run. He already told you he murdered or accidentally killed the dude in the boxing. Like, why? Oh, you know another thing? Okay, it, it's about them. But I just remembered, like, so they're having the conversation. She's brushing her teeth. He just got out the shower. And he goes in there and he, like, instantly falls asleep. And that, I can relate to that because I fall asleep with people talking to me all the time. Uh, but... He falls asleep right on there, and then he's like, it shows him like having some bad dreams. Um, he wakes up, and she's watching a movie, but she's still brushing her teeth. So how how long exactly was he asleep? Or was she brushing her teeth in the morning, and then he slept the entire day, and now it's nighttime, and you know she's brushing her teeth again for the next, you know, for the second time? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, but, but what was it? Because he was like, man, like, you know, kind of like, how long have I been out? What, did he sleep for 12 hours straight? Or did yes. he sleep for 12 minutes? I mean, I would like to think that he performed oral pleasure on her, <laughs> like she asked nicely. Yeah. And when, you know, she brushed her teeth, and when he went to sleep, she performed it on him and, and had to go brush her teeth again. because No, obviously. it definitely didn't happen, because the deal was, I'll perform, he'll perform oral pleasure on her, but all she had to do was kiss it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was like, well, will you kiss it? That's not a really like, good yeah, deal for first. me. No, it, yeah, it, has to, it has to be uh, quality on my end or no fucking deal. Yeah, that's, that's, a pretty bad, that's a pretty bad deal for me. 
That was the worst trade deal in the history of trade deals. <laughs> Louisiana <laughs> purchase. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, go down on me for 30 minutes and then I'll kiss your dick. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's not yeah. like, you know, maybe she just won't do it. And I guess you just, that's like the equivalent of your, you know, your, your wife won't touch you. So like while she's sleeping, you just use her hand to jack yourself off. That's like, that's how pathetic that is. There's, there's like, really good quotes of this movie like things that i would think of later on down the road pretty fucking far from okay's one that i use on almost yeah. a regular basis um, yeah callie does that a lot too the, the one i haven't heard in a long time that i actually completely forgot about is when uh he's trying to yell at the kid brett and he's like what and he's like what ain't a country he's like <laughs> oh, okay. that's no country i ever heard of and he's like do they speak english and what and he's like yeah. what? And he's like say what again Say what one motherfucking one more motherfucking time. And like there's a ton of quotes in this movie. There's a ton of great stuff that I remember, but for some reason the only one that really stands out, and I think it stands out because it bothers me so much, um, is Bruce Willis. (laughs) And (laughs) it's which is like, where'd you get that motorcycle? And he's like, it's a chopper. And it's like, okay, friggin' motorcycle. (laughs) And then she's like she gets on and asks him again. He's like, it's a chopper, baby. <laughs> yeah. He's like, who's Zed? And he's like, Zed's dead. And Zed's like, dead, baby. They, they, I remember like Newbery Comics and Spencer's and stuff having stickers that said like, Zed's dead. Like, yeah. that was the quote. That was the, the takeaway from this that's movie. That's the one. Yeah. That's, that's the- nobody gives a crap about Zed. And Zed wasn't even dead yet. So he oh, lied. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he, he was bad. He was in the middle of someone going medieval on his ass. And he if, he'll, if he'll lie about that, he'll lie about anything. Yeah, he like, probably lied about the watch. The he watch probably, probably lied about a good acting career. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Nope, nope. You ever seen Tears of the Sun? Actually, yeah, you're right. That's a good movie. That's a great movie. But it's I heard good, that he was an asshole during filming. I wonder I wonder if he, he – there's no way he could have acted the way that he acts nowadays. Um on a set of a Tarantino movie because I feel like Quentin Tarantino wouldn't handle that with anybody. He would just kick him, kick him off set, fire them. I don't know how he is to work with. Uh, it'd be something interesting that I would look up if I, you know, took the time out of my day. But how, I wonder how Tarantino is to work with. I feel like he's super anal. Like he's very, very specific about everything he wants in a movie, how he wants people to be. I mean, he might not be. He might be like, Hey, this is what I want. Let's see how it works. But he just comes across as someone who's so much of a visionary with all his movies that he does, um, you know, where he, he pretty much feeds the lines to people, like tells them right. how they need yeah. to say it, uh, how He's they need to on act. The corner. Yeah. Uh, and no, if he doesn't I'll, like it, if he doesn't like the scene, they'll just keep filming it until he does. But maybe not. I mean, like I think of uh, in Walk Hard when he's going crazy at the end and he's like, I need more didgeridoos. <laughs> and there's like 50,000 didgeridoos. <laughs> That's how I think about Tarantino's like the scene's just not good enough. He's like, yeah. I need more didgeridoos. He, he must be somewhat of a, a good person because he has so many reoccurring a- actors that he, he must be somewhat pleasant to work with or else those people would be like, yeah, I did one Tarantino movie. I'm not ever doing that again. Um, as far as how anal he is, I, I don't know how much he's into anal but i do know he has a huge huge foot fetish 
And that's part oh, of the right. reason why he keeps using um, Uma Thurman because he loves her fucking Bigfoot ass, um, you know, fucking hooves that she has. They're just, they're ginormous. Do you remember in Kill Bill when she's like trying to move her toes? Like yeah. her feet are literally twice the size of mine. And yeah, I might have abnormally small feet, but they're huge. She, she's related to Bigfoot. She is. She has to be. Yeah. I mean, that explains the whole foot massage conversation carrying on through like 50% of the movie. But yeah, exactly. It's a reoccurring theme. And then, you know, whenever they're doing the twist, you know, you know, she actually takes her socks and shoes off and she's sitting there doing a barefoot. And, my, you know, you'll see that you know, John Travolta has the socks on. So well, he, he loves Uma Femer. Uma Femer. Uma Uma Femer's Femer. He loves our feet, you know. He probably uh, is into that old foot job. Foot job I mean, it, they're either reoccurring because he's good to work with or because he pays $5 million to like, I mean, I couldn't imagine yeah, what, I, point, what yeah. I would get paid to be in a movie like that. And all in all, like, so because I'm into stuff like that, the opening weekend of this movie, I, I can't judge this movie's uh, marketing or anything like that because 94 puts me at about five years old. Uh, so Roughly. I, I wouldn't even remember a movie like this coming out. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I've always known about it. Like, I think it's a movie I saw still pretty young. Um, sometime before like the early 2000s or before 2000 I've seen this movie but it pulled in 9.3 million which is like a third of Space Jam yeah yeah and and worldwide was uh, like 213 million which is also another like 30 million below Space Jam so how does a movie (laughs) like Space Jam do better than a movie like Pulp Fiction um, because you're not going to see a whole lot of Pulp Fiction uh, action figures that kids are going to buy. You, you'll no, have but, your collectibles, but I think. I, but that's the thing they they market it out to kids because they know that they're going to end up buying all the merch and all this other stuff. And what do kids like to do while they're playing with their favorite toys? Watch their favorite movies. You know, there's a reason why I mean you like Space Jam at one point in our life. It's because yeah. it's made for people with brains that are this freaking tiny. That's true. Yeah, and you can't even, see what I just did, but I pointed out my dick and I said, "With brains, this this freaking tiny." And I saw so, it. Yeah, I pulled it out. But yeah, I mean, that's just you know, kid. I feel like kids' movies, Disney's movies, always make so much money. But this, like garbage movies, Shrek. This is a Shrek movie. from DreamWorks. That was a garbage film, but everybody loves it. No, but it's it trash. Shrek is yes. an awesome movie. I no, could do. Trash. I could do without the sequels. Yeah, uh, the first movie. No, that was it. Was great. It still has great humor. But like this yeah. movie, you know, nineteen ninety four. I feel like the setting, um, the filming, the music. I mean, granted, it takes place in the seventies, but I I feel like it could have came out in the seventies and still would have been a great movie in nineteen ninety four. See, I don't think it takes place in the seventies. I think it takes place in present time, not our present time. But no, because all the all the cars and everything in that are like older than 80s cars i'd have to look it up yeah but they have a cell phone in one scene no they don't <laughs> Hello? oh he you does don't know that no he does have a phone in the car and that was until the 80s right well the the phone car yeah yeah because he's like are you calling me from a cell phone I, I, yeah he does yeah he does yeah. say that yeah so yeah um and it was one of those like black um little flippy deals wasn't it 1982 that's the 
the year that's um, that Pulp Fiction is supposed to be taking place. Man, I would have guessed it was like early nineties. I feel yeah, like they kind uh, of, I feel like they kind of teetered things to make it seem like, to make you question what time frame it actually was. I mean, I wouldn't see why you would do something weird like that. But like I said, a movie that even if you put this movie out in 1982 and it was supposed to take place in present time, it would be a great movie. And I think if you took this movie now, didn't change a thing about it and put it out in 2020, that this movie would still hold up. I mean, some people question whether it's overrated, but I really don't think it is. I I think it's genuinely a really great movie. No, it is because, you know, going into watching it again for literally, like you said, you've probably seen it a hundred times. Like it might be a little exaggerated. I've probably seen it like 98 times, but a movie that I know I've seen over and over and over again, and then deciding to watch it again, I still felt a lot of enjoyment watching it. Even though I know every scene and I know everything that's going to happen. There's no more, you know, no real, like, oh man, what a twist or, you know, like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Like, I still enjoyed watching the movie. I could watch it again. I won't, I probably won't watch it again for another couple of years, but I, I will watch it again. I know that that's not the last time I'm ever going to watch Pulp Fiction. Um, but it was, a, it was just, it was a good movie. Like, it was a lot better than Space Jam, in my opinion. And I, I would hope that's in most people's opinions, but that's probably not the case. Poor Space Jam. Poor Space Jam. That movie's going to get butchered over and over again if I can yeah. help it. If, if, if I can yeah. help it. If I can make it, if I can make it happen, it'll, it'll, it'll be butchered. And I hope people go back and watch it. I hope people go back and watch it knowing that, hey, like, seeing some, like, there's, I'm, just because it's a kid movie doesn't mean it doesn't have to have sustenance and content and actual storyline. And that's the thing, you know, with, with, you know, with talking about Space Jam here is that <laughs> when I was a kid, I thought about, like, hey, that this should have had, had that, and it just didn't. But it's still held as, you know, as a, you know, everyone loves that movie. You know, I've never heard anybody talk about like Space Jam. It's like, oh man, that was complete trash. And it's no, weird it's to me because, like, I you know, I watching it again, I, I know now that yeah, it was just you know, and it was I'm made here. for the money. It was made for the money. Pulp Fiction wasn't made. He didn't make it to make money. He made it to to tell a fucking story. You know. And now I'm here to try and ruin everyone's amazing memory. Of 1996's <laughs> Michael Jordan Space Jam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we could put it where they put all the ET games for uh, Atari and just buried in the New Mexico desert. I mean, I'd be I'd be willing to hear if people had something adverse to say about Pulp Fiction, whether they think it's um, overrated or yeah. not. I think definitely there's a lot of movies out there that are way overrated for what they are. Um, Avatar. But this one definitely, uh, I think, um, I think definitely has has been a a really great movie to watch over and over that, you know, I'd probably recommend over and over to somebody who hasn't seen it. Like I said, it stands the test of time. I think someone could watch it now and still enjoy the content and the context of the the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I could probably think of maybe five people that I know personally that would never enjoy this movie but that's because they've probably never seen any movie um and you know the only movies they like to watch are cartoons 
So, um, but I feel like people who, you know, enjoy a good story and um, wacky, wacky little things that, I mean, we're talking, you know, from a writer and director here that literally rewrote history with Inglorious Bastards um, and how, you know, Hitler was assassinated and, you know, the, the outturn of you know, World War II and stuff like that. I mean, he chose to completely disregard what history says happened and rewrite his own history. I mean, that, that's, that's the kind of you know, director and writer we're talking about here that he does, he does what he wants to. He's, he's like a better version of Kevin Smith. Whoa. <laughs> <Shots> fired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I respect anybody that's, that's like that. Um, Cause you know, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. So I get the, Oh, are you? Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't know. My bad. So I, I'll take the hint, but anybody <laughs> that, that cares more about seeing their like vision come to life versus trying to make a quick buck or trying to um, excite an audience to reel them in like avatar <laughs> but this it, like yeah you can you can take a movie like inglorious bastards you could take uh you can create all kinds of storylines for django because that's oh, a yeah. fantastic movie that i could probably watch even for like a two and a half hour movie i could watch that a dozen yeah. times and still oh. hateful eight is another one like that for me too and it's mainly because it has it has an all-star cast and I just, I love their interaction with each other. Um, I mean, pretty much the only Quentin Tarantino movie that I watched that I felt extremely upset that it didn't live up to the hype was um, Once, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. And I, everyone kept telling me how great it was and, you know, all this and that. It's like, oh, you know, I, I don't recall if anyone compared it to any of his other movies. But they just went on and on and on about how great it is. And I'm thinking Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, like two people that I know did awesome in Quentin Tarantino movies. And they're great actors, um, even without Quentin Tarantino. And then I watch it and I'm just like, man, like it didn't have that Quentin Tarantino feel to me. It didn't have it didn't have the best of what Leonardo DiCaprio can be, and it didn't have the best of what Brad Pitt could be. Um, and that water that movie just felt really watered down to me. I don't remember the point of it. All I remember is is getting to the like Charles Manson, yeah, helter skelter, yeah. and then like Brad Pitt being effed up on drugs, kind of stepping in to stop um, them from breaking. Stop into, it from happening. Yeah, uh, Sharon Tate's house. Yeah, or, uh, Christian Tatum's. Yeah, Roman Polanski's what uh, wife's brother's uncle's uh, mansion. Um, no, and that, that's what's so crazy because it's like they tried to do the same thing that, or he tried to do the same thing that they did with Inglorious Bastards by rewriting what we know is to be history, um, and it just it didn't even it just didn't hit the mark for me no. at all. No, I know I, we're not reviewing that movie or anything, but um, well, now when, when you look at someone <laughs> <laughs> when you look at someone that hits the mark on on pretty much every movie they've ever released. Um, it was just a sad day for me to see that, you know, some of my favorite actors with my favorite director, um, just really not, really not, you know, do it for me, especially this day and age. Cause I mean, I don't know if, I don't think he's released anything after. And I don't know what, if he does, like, I mean, is he going to turn into fucking M. Night Shyamalan? 
you know, who had like banger after banger after banger. And then he hasn't made anything good since like Sixth Sense, which, you know, just happens to have Bruce Willis in it. I mean, he, he did, he's made good movies. He, I think he's a big fan of Paul Giamatti and putting him in his, in his flicks, but M night Shyamalan did uh lady in the water. Wasn't horrible. I think he kind of got into the, I think he's always been kind of about, like I said, with uh, Tarantino and Kevin Smith, more about like, I want to see my vision come to life versus more about um, pleasing himself than pleasing everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And that has its ups and downs. But um, I mean, he did, he did split. He did glass. I didn't care much for glass, but split was a fantastic movie. Also because I yeah um, split split was good. I'll, I'll watch anything with James McAvoy in it, but that'll be a yeah. Story he's, for, he's a good actor. That'll be. He should have he should have been given like thirteen different checks for having to play that many characters. What was it? Eight, uh, eight or nine? Uh, they they did. Uh, that was the twist. What? <laughs> that was the M Night Shyamalan <laughs> twist. Was that they actually paid him thirteen separate salaries? Thirteen separate thirteen ghosts. Yeah. The the yeah. five million dollar budget towards casting in that movie uh, was all towards <laughs> all towards James, James McAvoy. McAvoy. Yeah. Yeah. All towards professor X before he was X. Um, Which, I mean, the best part of glass was Bruce Willis. I was just going to say this comes full circle. Yeah. Unbreakable was a great movie though. Unbreakable was a great movie. I mean, um, it was, it was like six cents, but with a you know, superhero instead of him being spoiler alert dead. And, but I'm sorry if you haven't, you know, seen Six no. Sense by this point, you're probably never going to fucking see it. So, and if you haven't already heard planning. the spoiler, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty apparent. Um, it's pretty fucking apparent, you know. The only thing that's not apparent in that movie is Donnie Wahlberg. Oh yeah, that little, uh, there, there, you know, he he likes to play characters that are not like all there, huh? He does a lot of weird stuff where you're like, I can't believe that was Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah. Can't believe that was uh, Wahlberger. Like uh, the the mentally challenged kid in Dreamcatcher, Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. He was him. Doobie doobie doo. Yep. Uh, yeah. He he was uh, Chunk from The Goonies. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't. I have not seen The Goonies. Yeah, and I he, probably never will. Well, he wasn't Chunk, but again, um, <laughs> I'm on a good See? roll of starting believable rumors, and I think that's my life's legacy. Uh, before I go out, that that's that's going to be my thing is starting lucrative Hollywood rumors. Rumors, yeah, rumors that may or may not be uh, rumorous arthritis is what they call it. Yeah, made made by uh, Duke. Uh, but we'll we'll wrap this up with. Uh, I give this movie two thumbs up. Oh yeah, I give it a ten out of ten. Would recommend. Definitely would recommend. For sure, yeah. And uh, there'll be a lot more, definitely a lot more Tarantino movies to come. Uh, I'm yeah, sure we'll yeah. reference back to this one a lot, but definitely a lot more Tarantino movies to come. And um, good or, or bad, but hopefully more good than bad. But I think that's all the time we have for today. Yeah, that's all the time I'm going to give you. This is Dave and Drew do movies. We'll see you next time. <laughs>